Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We have a real cool guest on our Zoom. We've been connecting all to, like it's back and forth, back and forth. Let's do this day. Oh, I can't do this. Let's do this day. I can't. It's me. It's my fault. I keep scheduling things and I'm like, shit. <laughs> I just, I got to get a little bit more organized with my, with my calendar, I think. I think I need, I, don't, I need an assistant. I don't want to. Hello. No, but I need someone, <laughs> literally someone that's going to sit in my pocket and just could jump out of my oh, yeah, pocket no, and then take some notes for me and then just climb back into my pocket. Do that's they a, have to live in your pocket? Yes. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, yes, yes. Back left. Back left. Back okay. Left. <laughs> I feel sorry for them now. Uh, okay, hey, fine. Cargos. <laughs> Cargos. Cargos. It's Amanda. And yes, we have had some scheduling issues and I don't want to put Mark down because he does the job of 28 people at one time. But I did say to him the other day, every time you are the one scheduling a podcast guest, something goes to shit. It's true. Like when I schedule it, everything runs smoothly. Everybody knows what time they're supposed to be, where, when. It's perfect. Every time he does it, there's an explosion. What skills do you have that I don't? (laughs) Tell me. Tell me what it takes. What does it take? What skills do I have? What does it take and how do I get those? You can't because the reason I, the reason that I can do this and everything works properly is because I'm not always doing 7,000 things at one time. Mark has three screens in front of him at any given time and he's always doing all these different things. You know, he's editing a podcast. He's, he's doing OSCE consultations. He, you know, he's doing posts for our podcast page for our continuing education company. Like he's always doing so many things. And uh, yeah, you you do need an assistant. Definitely a multitasker. Yeah, 100%. Only if I did it well, I'd take that title. <laughs> I do it so fucking poorly. <laughs> hey, let's look at the positive here. She's here. So yeah. we've got Melissa on Zoom with us. And uh, I just told her this story, but I'm going to retell it. Melissa has been following us at no, least. No, I think we follow her. We follow first. her. She follows us. Um I don't know if we follow her on all of our pages, but I know at least on the two RMTs and a mic page, we follow her. And I always see photos of her at the beach. Melissa's in Hawaii. And every time I see one of her photos pop up on my Instagram, I'm like, this woman is living life. I know. And her Instagram handle is lucky I live in Hawaii. I'm like, yeah. right? It's just like, like all <laughs> smiles and sun-kissed tans. I'm yes. like, what is going on here? Why am I in Toronto? So as soon as Mark <laughs> said to me, hey, I was talking to Melissa. I don't know if it was on Facebook or Instagram. And... uh we're going to do a podcast with her because she does a bunch of things. She's a licensed massage therapist. She also is an educator. She teaches formal education, continuing education. She owns her own company. Like there's a lot of things going on. Um, But I mostly want to talk about the beach. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everybody. Well, Melissa, thank you for all the back and forth. And thank you for hanging out with us so late on. It's actually a holiday Monday for us. We just drove back into the city from up north, like haven't even showered yet. Yeah, still I smell s- like I smell outside. I smell like a campfire <laughs> from from two days ago. That's that's how bad it is. That's the best. So why don't we start with an introduction? I know I did a, a really poor job, but maybe give our listeners a little bit of background about you, um, how long you've been practicing, if if you trained in Hawaii, if you've always been in Hawaii, and uh, what you're doing now. Sure. I, um, I've actually been doing massage for about 21 years. I got licensed in uh, New York State, so I carry dual licensing, so I still keep my my, my license in New York up as well. Um, I moved out here in 2016, mm. January. So I've been here a little over five years. Uh, back in New York, I had my own practice, private practice, and I was also the lead hands-on instructor at the Onondaga School of Therapeutic Massage, which was in Syracuse, New York. So I taught there for almost 10 years. Um, and then about four years before I moved, I um, left there and concentrated mainly on my private office. And in 2016, I moved out here and I haven't looked back. What makes you What makes you go from New York State to uh, floating around in the Pacific? Yeah, so uh, it's kind of a crazy story. Um, Those one of are my, my patients, favorite stories. Yeah, right. Uh, one of my patients uh, lost her husband, so she came out to Big Island. And because this is known as a healing, a healing island. So she came out here to kind of figure out what she wanted to do. Um, she wasn't necessarily having to go back to work um, financially. So she wanted to kind of figure out what she wanted. Right. Um, she was out here for supposed to be three weeks. It turned into three months. And in the meantime, she had sent me postcards and I had never been to Hawaii. 
I've always been a Caribbean girl. Every vacation, I would go down to the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, I should go out to Hawaii for vacation. So I started looking for rentals. And um, when she finally came back to New York, she came in for her, one of her appointments and said, hey, I have a place you can rent. She goes, I bought a condo. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I ended up coming out here um, in 2012 for three weeks. So I was out here all by myself for about a week and a half. And then I flew my mom and my aunt out for a week and a half. And I just kind of fell in love with the island. And I put it on like my five-year plan that I wanted to move out here and um, had a really hard 2015. And um, I just decided it was time. You know, I didn't want to have any regrets. So I packed everything up and moved out here with three suitcases. That's crazy to me. I got a couple of questions really quick then. Caribbean versus versus Hawaii. Give me give me the uh, the pros and cons for uh, Hawaii versus the Caribbean because we do a lot of we do a lot of Caribbean trips too. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's uh, Hawaii is nice because each island has its own vibe. You know, so if you're more of a foodie and you like going out, um, then Oahu is your island. You know, if you want to get um, old Hawaii. Um, you know, Molokai is your island. Um, you know, Big Island is a lot of lava. So, right. you know, we definitely have the green, but we also have a lot of black lava. So it all depends. And everything around here shuts down at like 9 p.m. So not a huge nightlife. Yeah, yeah. Dating is an issue here too. Really? Why? You definitely, you definitely don't come here looking for somebody to date. Hmm. So I'm seeing some eyes that are saying, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything more than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, it's an island. So if things don't work out, you can never get away from it, right? Ooh, so true. And it's a very small dating pool. So chances are a friend or a friend of a friend has probably dated them before. It's a big circle. I get it. I get it. It's like mm, high school. Yeah. It's like high school. It's like grade nine. <laughs> It's like grade nine. It's a, small, it's a small high school. Yeah, I get it. That's amazing. So since, okay, a personal question then, since you've been out there in 2016, have you dated anyone and have has things gotten weird? Um, I've, most of the people that I've dated since I've been out here, I fly in. <laughs> so they're from other states that come in. Um, amazing. Yeah. I just don't want somebody showing up on my doorstep at like three o'clock in the morning and saying, Melissa. <laughs> you know, this way, at least, you know, lately I've been kind of looking at Oahu. They're a little bit closer. They're only an hour away. You mentioned that your clients that went went out there to kind of do the soul searching. And yes. it, it, it wasn't supposed to be a very long trip. And it ended up being like, yes, I'm, uh, three weeks turned into three months. I think you said something. And like then that. she bought right. a condo. And then so. she bought a condo. Yes. Is that a thing that happens? In Hawaii, like, because I I don't know this. Like, I feel like this happens in Miami all the time. Like, anytime I used to go to Miami and I'd run into anybody, it's like I'm not from Miami. Like, I came here on vacation and I just didn't want to leave, so I found a job and really, I'm just I'm just doing this waiter thing to support my never ending vacation. Is that is that what happens a lot there? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is there's always there's two types of people that move here. At least that's what they say. One is they come here to heal. The other one is they're running away from something. So everybody everybody that I run into, it falls into one of those categories. You know, So it's definitely, um, there's a lot of people that come here for a vacation and just fall in love and either stay or they go home and they make plans to come here. Do you fall into either of those categories? Um, I definitely came to heal. Yeah. Um, I 2015 was hard. Um, we lost my dad unexpectedly in March. Um, in May, I had to put my dog down in July, my dad's dog died. So it was just, it was a lot. I looked at all the things that my parents wanted to do when they were retired and they never got to do because my dad died, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to look back and say, Hey, could I have made it? You know, because coming out here, I had to start from, you know, day one, Yeah, you know, I, I had, I had a, a uh, great profitable practice back in New York. So when I decided to move out here, my mom thought I was crazy. She's like, I can't believe you're giving up all that money. And I said, it's not always about the money. You know, back in New York, I was seeing about 35 patients a week, uh, mostly hour appointments with, you know, 90 minute treatments sprinkled in there, but that's a lot of work. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of work on your body. So, um, you know, I just, I, 
wanted to give it a try. And, you know, I told her, I said, if things don't work out within six months, I'll think about coming back. So it's a healing place Have as, as a man who is kind of getting to you. It is. Yeah, def- definitely. Has it worked with you? Are you, are you on the path of healing or are you already there? Yes. Yes. Um, it, it probably took me, um, you know, when my dad passed, I didn't cry about it for probably about a year. And, um, when I got here, I actually volunteered for a, to do chair massage at a camp for Aaron. Um, and it's basically a camp that they do on the weekend for children that have lost family members for, um, to cancer and other, other diseases. So when I was up there, uh, just seeing all the kids with handling the grief and coming together, I broke down. You know, like I felt like I was one of those kids, you know, but yeah, that was a big thing. It was a big crack because I'm not a crier. I don't like crying. It gives me a headache. So I'm not very emotional, but it's definitely this island has definitely pulled that out of me. Not going to say it made me softer, but, uh, you know, because I can still be an asshole most of the time. But (laughs) It, It made you more vulnerable and to be vulnerable actually requires you to be a strong person. So you're actually just stronger. That's what I'll say. I don't know, though. I mean, going to that, you know, that type of camp, like you said, where you're volunteering and working with all these kids. Right. Um whether I had experienced that type of grief or not, I don't know that I, I wouldn't have cracked. I mean, I am way too emotional. I, I don't think I would have been able to hang out there with all those kids that had like lost family members and were going through this grieving process. I, I don't do well with that kind of stuff. And you know, and the thing is, is I was working on the volunteers. I wasn't working directly with the kids, but it was just being in that whole um in that whole sphere of the sharing and how everybody just, and I think that's one of the things I really love about big Island is, you know, that Aloha vibe, you know, everybody takes care of you. You know Um, we just recently, recently had a huge brush fire. I don't know if you guys saw anything on, on the news about it, you know, it closed down some roads and there's not very many roads that go around the Island, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. a couple of people lost their homes, um, like 26,000 acres burned. um, And the whole community came together and made potlucks and did food trucks. And so everybody steps up and helps you here. I'm not going to lie. I've never been to Hawaii, but somehow I just assume that's exactly like, I just assume that is what Hawaii is. Like anything I do know about it from people who have lived there or worked there for even short periods of time. I feel like Hawaii is that place where you just feel like everyone's going to take care of you. And it's like, even as you're saying, each Island has a different vibe. I like, I don't know. Somehow I can imagine this. We need to go to Hawaii. I just feel this vibe. The the culture (laughs) just runs so deep you know what yes. I mean? And it's not like any other state, really. I mean, like that culture is just so crazy deep. It's it's insane. Everybody is Ohana. Everybody's family here. Exactly. Yeah. That's it's such a cool vibe. Um, but like Oahu reminds me of the mainland. There's so many people on Oahu. Um, Honolulu, Waikiki. Um, you know, I like the the less populated. You know, gotcha. so Big Island, um, Kauai is nice. Molokai, uh, Maui is beautiful, but it's becoming a a little Oahu. So they're very busy over there. Very touristy, I assume. Well, when when travel was a real thing, I mean, I know there's some people still traveling, but a lot less. Oh my God, it's we have been inundated with tourists. It's it's crazy. There's no rental cars in the market. Everybody's putting their cars up in Toro. It's it's. It's crazy. They needed to set a like a, a a limit on people, and what they did is they just opened the doors, and we got mm. flooded. Oh wow! It's crazy. I mean, since we're in Ontario, which has like the tightest COVID restrictions in the entire world, <laughs> I just it sounds nuts to me because we're still not allowed to do anything. Recently, our COVID count has been going up because of the Delta variant, you know. And the other day, they had six hundred twenty-two cases, which was because of. Um, tracking, it was about, I think, three days, um, three days worth of um, cases. But still, that's a lot coming from when we used to only have three or four a day to our island having 40. So that's a huge. Yeah, that's big. You know, they shot, they shut everybody down when we reached 38 cases when this first started. 
So we were shut down from middle of March to beginning of June. Talk to me about the massage scene where you are. Yeah. Talk to me about licensed massage therapists versus, you know, very traditional, very traditional, like Lomi Lomi stuff that happens. And, and how does that come together or does it not? Is there like a big clash? Like, give me, give me just a general idea of what, what the, what the it's industry not is like. It's um, a big clash. Uh, you know, Lomi was always taught was handed down, right, from generation to generation and taught between families. So they never really had um, licensing for that. So, um, and Hawaii doesn't have any grandfathering in. So when I moved from New York, um, I had to, you know, give them all of my education, um, all of my continuing ed that I had done. And I still had to sit for their Hawaii exam. So everybody that comes in here, it doesn't matter how long you've been practicing, what you have behind your name, you still have to sit for the exam and take it in order to get licensed. Um, So that's what happened to a lot of the Lomi practitioners is when they started doing the licensing, they all had to either go to school because nothing was written down as far as, uh, you know, what they have learned other than passed down. Right. So, uh, but Hawaii has, it requires 570 hours in order to sit for the exam, which is great. You know, people get done in 10 weeks and then they do a clinical for six months to a year and then they can sit and take the exam. Uh, the program that I designed is 690 hours, um, which isn't a lot. It's definitely less than what I had in New York. In New York. Yeah. But it gives them enough to sit for the nationals. So it makes it a little bit easier in case they want to pick up and move. That was a good call. Very smart move. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I I give students the option, you know, if they only want to do the 570, then they, as long as they have all of their massage requirements in, then they can take and they can test, you know, if they want to, um, the extra 120 hours is all orthopedic medically based uh, treatment work that they learn in the clinical portion of it. We should actually probably, I just realized we jumped right into this. We know that (laughs) Melissa owns a school. Um, So maybe you should, we should talk about that because we started to with the introduction and then school, but it's not a school, but it's it's a school, school, but it's not a school. So let's get into that. So once you, okay, I'm going to rewind a little bit. Once you left New York, went to Hawaii, did your healing, then what was the first step for you? Did you start working as um, like just private practice? And did you always know that you wanted to get into education since you were doing education in New York? Um, you know, I I absolutely love teaching. Um, I loved teaching in New York. I did not care for some of the ethics and the morals that were being put into the school. Um, so that was one of the reasons why I left. I couldn't really stand behind some of the practices that they were doing. Like what? Like what? Like what? Um, just, you know, certain, uh, can't really talk that much about it, but um, okay. they had different rules for different people. Gotcha. Let's just say. Okay. And um, I feel if you're going to have rules, they should go for everybody, not just who you pick and choose. Gotcha. Um, I was teaching uh, in New York. I taught all of the treatment classes. and. The premise behind that was so the students could practice those treatments in clinic so they get real hands-on experience doing it with different body parts or different body types, not the people that they've been in school with for the last year. So when they pulled me in and told me that my students couldn't do treatment work in clinic anymore, they could only do fluff and buffs, straight Swedish. Um, You know, I kind of flipped out. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, why the fuck am I teaching them treatment work if you're not going to allow them to, to practice it? Yeah. I said, that's what school is for. That's what clinic is for. Well, what was, what was the rationale of the school saying they couldn't actually treat in clinic? They had a patient that came in with a post-MVA whiplash, okay. never put it down on her health history form, never mentioned it to the student. The student went and did neck work that she was taught in treatments. And uh, the patient had migraines for three days and complained to the school and said that they were going to sue. Gotcha. So, you know, we can, as, as practitioners, we can only do so much. We can't read their minds. Yeah, for sure. You know, student was 
you know, terrified. And I'm like, you did what you had to do. She told you what was going on. It's not your fault if she did not disclose what was going on. So um, after that, they were just like straight Swedish. That's all they can practice. They can get practice in class. And um, I didn't care for that. Yeah. You know, that along with a couple of other things, I'm just like, you know, the school is going to go downhill if that's all you're going to let the students practice. Good on you, though. Good on you for recognizing that you don't want to be a part of something that does something like that. You know, because there's yeah. so many other people that would be like, oh, whatever. I don't fucking care. This is my job. I'm just going to do it. And I don't necessarily care about the outcome that's going to happen. I don't care about the quality of the education of the students. Good on you. That is an educator because like, like we go on. Well, I go on rants quite often. Amanda's even staring at me now like, don't do it. Like, <laughs> we, I go on rants quite often about about massage therapy instructors and institutions that just don't really give a shit about the the quality of the education. And I, I really, I really love the idea that you're you're mindful enough to know what you are and what you'll stand for and and the product you want to put your name on. You know, the owner of the school was more interested in his numbers of yep. students that were in the class or number of students that applied. Right. right. I remember we had one class where we had 65 students. And now usually by the, the first myology test calls the herd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually 50% less from when you start because half of those people have no background whatsoever and they can't even spell their name. But they decide they're going to sign up for massage school. And I don't think they never told the students before they were signing up what school entail? What it entails? Yep. You know, it's physical. We don't just stand there and rub somebody. As weird as it sounds, I'm happy to hear this happens all over the place. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? Like, I, it's it sounds silly that I'm happy to hear because I'm just I'm just happy to know like I'm just not in a place where I see it way too much, but it's kind of sprinkled all over the place. Like a while back, I'm I'm talking like over a year ago, we did no, not over a year ago, way back in 2018, maybe we did a podcast about. Um, private career colleges and the admissions process and bringing people in and really it's all about a lot of money and stuff like that and then maybe about a year year and a half later there's a dude in florida he owns a school and he was i guess he listened to the podcast because he po he reposted the podcast in one of these in one of these facebook groups and he was saying like he's basically said what i just said i'm so happy to see like that it's not just here in Florida where we have these types of issues. It's just this this industry right across the board. It's not just this industry. It's every industry. And like I said True. on that initial podcast is people, it, it is unfortunately buyer beware and it shouldn't be because we're, we're talking about people's livelihoods. We're talking about people's futures and their money and their time. And it shouldn't be this way. But unfortunately, the reality of the world is everything is a fucking business. Healthcare is a business. Education is a business. Everything is a, a fucking COVID is a business. Like everything is a business. But the now. problem is most people don't jump into the idea of thinking education and business. Do you know what right. I mean? So like when I'm going to buy a car, I'm expecting to be taken for a ride. Do you know what I mean? I'm expecting someone to try to pull a fast one on me. When I go to sign up to school for a program, I don't expect that. Do you see what I'm saying? But it's there. Like you said, it's it is, everywhere. Yeah, it is unfortunately there that, you know, as you were saying, Melissa, when the owner of the school was more concerned about the number of students that were applying versus you know, how well they were doing in the program. That is the reality because, because it has to work that because, way. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And, and Mark and I talked about this last week because we were chatting with somebody who still works at um, the, the college that we used to work at. And we were just saying like, it's, the really great students are going to make it through whether, you know, it, it, not that we don't care about everybody else, but the really like serious students who are going to take it upon themselves and study, they're going to do well and they're going to make it through. The problem is, is if the ones that need a little bit more help and that really weren't prepared for this, and as you said, weren't told yes. how difficult this type of program is. They're going to fall through the cracks. And sometimes, unfortunately, because if they do really want it bad, the school wants to keep them in there, right? Because it's good for their reputation and it's good for their pockets. So they're going to push them through. And that's why, you know, Mark and I end up getting people come here to do exam, exam prep for their, yeah. their licensing exam. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what the rotator cuff muscles exactly. are? Like, yes. I, don't, I don't know how to talk to you. I, so I um, designed my continuing ed classes basically around the stuff I learned when I was in school that Hawaii doesn't offer. 
So it's basically what I learned and what I used to teach, I turned into continuing ed classes. So I made a curriculum around those classes. And one of the classes is just an A&P refresher, right? So basically it goes over the muscles, we clay model, we do body painting, we do palpation skills, we um, go over body mechanics, stroke review, and that's it for two days. That's all we do. And I can't even tell you how many times I've had LMTs in my class that don't have a thorough knowledge of the muscles or even how to do a stroke correctly. You know, I think that's a ball that's dropped a lot Yeah, is having that knowledge because we're muscle specialists, right? Like we should know those. Exactly. Yep. If you're going to touch somebody, you should know what you're touching. Exactly. I don't want to take my car to the auto tech that's like, yeah, you know what? I can't tell you anything about your, your braking system, but I can, I can, I can fix it for you. Like, no, <laughs> be able to talk to me about the braking system on my car and then also fix it for me, please. <laughs> no, my favorite thing to say, I don't know if you've heard me say this on any other episodes before, but one of my favorite things to say, you know, I'm sure you get this, Melissa, when a patient will ask you like, how did you know that's where it hurts? You know, like you start working on something they're like, how did you know that's what, what to do? And I'm like, listen, the only thing that I have to be good at is this. <laughs> like, this is, a, this is what I have to be good at. So don't worry about how I knew this. I, this is what I have to be good at. And that's it. As you said, we're supposed to be muscle, muscle specialists. We're supposed to know this shit inside and out, like the back of our hand. I should be able to do this in my sleep. And there are a lot of really, really, really good therapists, but unfortunately, you know, some do fall through the cracks. And then, you know, I mean, thank God there's continuing education. Absolutely. Thank God. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's the thing here is a lot of the um, LMTs that came to me came to me because they wanted to learn, because they felt like their schooling lacked with certain things. And I've actually, um, two or three of my students that took my classes were LMTs that were referred to me for work. So they received treatment work from me and they said, you know, they would be like, how did you know that? And I'm like, well, that's what I was taught. It's my job. <laughs> yeah. That's my job. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I remember I had left the school. I had been out of there for about two years. And one of my friends called me and they said, Hey, we have an opening in student clinic. You want to come in and get a hundred minute massage? And I said, sure, I'll come in. And so I went in there and they gave me their best student. That was an air quotes for all of you who can't see. That was air quotes. So I had a hundred minute massage and the student, once they get into clinic, they have gone through Swedish. They're in treatments usually, but this student was done with treatments, done with all the AMP, done with the myology, done with pathology, all of that. And I had said that I needed um, work done on my bicep femoris because I had a little bit of tibial torsion mm -hmm. and I wanted some work done on my suboccipitals. Now, those are basic things that you should mm -hmm. know where they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she proceeds to start working on my bicep. Your bicep brachii. I saw that coming <laughs> from a mile away. Oh. You saw it coming, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And didn't know where my suboccipitals were. Oh, wow. So... You know, and while the massage that she gave was okay, it was a fluff and buff, right? right? It was mostly effleurage. If anything, I am honest. <laughs> so uh, we were always taught that we needed to give criticism sandwiches, right? Right, right? So something good, give the criticism, and then end with something good. So uh, she definitely got a criticism sandwich that day. Um but, you know, I tried to tell her, I said, it's not your fault if you weren't taught these things. Yep. These are things you need to know. So basically, most of the most of the massage was me kind of teaching her where that was or try to work this way. Absolutely. That's so important. Like, And someone can have such such really good, just raw talent. And yes. sometimes those yeah, are like just there's people that are made for this work. Exactly. And those are the pieces that, that, that make you just fucking fabulous. Just not just, oh, you do a really good massage and you, and you're, and you know, you're not formally trained or whatever the case is. But when you have all those fine pieces, that's, that's the, that's the shit right there. Yes. And that's what I always, I always wanted as an instructor is anybody that graduated that was going to be associated with my name was going to be good. I mean, I'll be damned if I'm going to graduate somebody that sucks. 
when the owner came and said that they couldn't do treatment work. And I was told to push people through our practicals that didn't pass. And he's like, they just got to be okay. I go, no. He goes, as long as they don't hurt somebody. I said, that's not, I said, that shouldn't be the point of your school is to graduate people so they don't hurt somebody. And this is New York state, which has like a much higher level. It's a thousand hours in New York. It might be a little bit more now. I'm not sure. But um, when I graduated, it was a thousand hour program. Right. So it was heavy in sciences, which I love. Um, I'm very science-based. Um, just since moving here to the island, have I gotten a little bit more spiritual? <laughs> that face was like, I didn't even know I could do that. <laughs> well, you know, m- one of my friends always picks on me that when I first moved here, she's a business intuitive. And I also have a friend that's a um, psychic astrologer. So whenever they would say things to me, I'd be like rolling my eyes. I'm like, oh, that mumbo jumbo shit. And now I have... 12 sets of tarot cards. And I go to my friend who's a business intuitive on a regular basis. I, I'm, I'm doing the balance thing, right? See, you're you're my people. I I describe myself as a science hippie. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're like I am I'm such an anatomy nerd. <laughs> yep. Um, but oh God, like I, I just feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I was brought to this island to bring what I know here and to open people's minds up. The island sucked you in and you're never coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I go back to New York every every December. So um, for Christmas, I usually go home for a white Christmas. Do you miss that? Do you miss the, the, the cold and the snow and everything else? I freeze my tits off every time I go home. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Usually two weeks is enough of snow to last me another year. That's fair. Um, yeah. My mom usually comes out in June for a few weeks. So that gives us like six weeks in be- or six months in between. Cause you know, staring at somebody's face for 24, seven, two weeks, um, two weeks straight. <laughs> you kind of need a break after that. Fair, fair, fair. So we were, we were getting into it. You, you um, we we keep getting sidetracked, but this is good because I like no, but I like talking to other people who do what we do and who understand formal education and continuing education. So you knew that you love teaching. New York wasn't the place. So I think my original question before we got so excited talking about yes, the education yes, was: Did you did you start practicing there in Hawaii first, and how long before you decided? I'm going to open a school or whatever it is you got going on. It's a school, but it's not a school. It's a school, but it's not a school. You can explain that. Well, when I first moved here, um, I took probably like four weeks off and just was a tourist for about four weeks because I had to wait for my car to to, um, come over here. So I couldn't really get a job if I didn't have a car. So um, when the car came, I ended up getting hired at a day spa and uh, did work there. And then I got my DBA and opened up a private office. So I had um, a private office in a yoga studio, not really my cup of tea, uh, but it worked for about 10 months. And then I moved into a, another space with another medically based massage therapist. And um, that was amazing. And I was there right up until uh, the end of this May. So I was there almost six years or five years and then uh, moved to my new space. So uh, working for other people um, is not my forte. Mm -hmm. I've always said that I'm way too much of an asshole to work for people, to be an employee anymore. Um, I had my own business for 16 years in New York. So when I first came to uh, Hawaii, my idea was I don't want to work for myself anymore. I just want to go in, do my work, get a paycheck. I don't want to worry about overhead, nothing. So when I first came here, I did some interviews. One of the interviews was for uh, Four Seasons. And I got called in. And as I'm sitting in the waiting area, I'm going through their employee handbook. And I look at it and I close it and I walk up and I put it on the girl's desk. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I walked out. And I told myself that, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to make my own business work to do it. 
So, uh, you know, I had always thought that I wanted to have my own school, even back in New York. Um, and then moving here, and it took me a good year before I found somebody that I liked as far as doing exchanges or getting a massage from. Um, I'm I'm a huge massage snob. So uh, in my eyes, there were a lot of therapists that were trained here that weren't adequate for me. And I saw that there was a big niche that wasn't being filled in their schooling. And at first, I started uh, my continued ed classes. And I did that for about a year. And then um, two weeks before we got shut down for COVID, I ended up buying a massage school that was already in business. And uh, during that shutdown, um, I revamped the curriculum because I wasn't um, wasn't kind of enthused with what they had going. Um, I was basically buying the brand and name recognition mm-hmm. that had been there for five years. Um, and I ended up revamping everything from the ground up. So, um, you know, they had a 570-hour program. Um, I revamped it to 690. Um, and I've had three students graduate, um, through level one. And I've got one student that's in level two right now. Um, two of my students are off for personal reasons. So I'm hoping they come back quickly. And I have a new class, uh, starting mid September, September 15th, I believe. This is exciting. I like this. I I have a couple of questions. First is how successful was your continuing ed when you started with that? Because off mic, uh, before we started recording, you had told us that continuing education was not a requirement in Hawaii before it's becoming a requirement. But were you were you busy? Were you successful in getting those getting people in those classes? So basically, I ran a it was a 10 course series that I offered. Um, the students can purchase all 10, or they could just purchase per class. So. Um, I had three students sign up for the whole 10 series, whole 10 class series, one weekend a month. Um, and then I had certain cl- certain um, courses had more students. Mm-hmm. So I ran a connective tissue um, class, a myofascial class, and that had like six students in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran a chair massage class and they had six students. So I was averaging anywhere between three and six for my classes. And I thought that was pretty good for just being word of mouth. I never advertised it. Oh, wow. I mean, that is really good because this is not something they had to do. Like you said, these people were coming to you because they legitimately wanted to learn. All three of the first students that signed up for all 10 courses were patients of mine that were LMTs. Because you also have to remember, like, these are these are also pieces that are coming from her education in New York State. Yep. And this is a, you know, where she is now, they don't have, they're not even teaching this stuff. So it's just new to somebody. And they're like, okay, well, I, could, I get the opportunity to get this type of education now. So I'm going to jump all over it, even if it's not a requirement. Because like, for example, for here, they've changed our, our, our governing body, the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario. They recently changed, when I say recently, within the last three. 2018. 2018, however many years ago that was they changed around the continued education requirements so what we used to have before was this numbered credit system right 30 credits in a three-year cycle type of thing and they recently got rid of that and they said we're not going to do credits in cycles you figure out your own education you come up with your own treat uh, your own goals and your own action plans to get whatever education you think you need in other words it's really just kind of putting the therapists involved in creating their own their their own path of education and so because those requirements changed, there's not like a demand to be like, oh, I need this many credits or this many credits. And so at first we're like, we're fucked because that was that was basically our business oh, yeah, model. We were, we were certain that our business was well, gone. Well, that was our <laughs> business model. Our business model was you need credits. Well, we've got a billion of them because we've got a billion courses. So it was a no brainer. And then we 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 both had mini heart attacks on, on different occasions. And then we both realized basically like, no, as long as we're providing a quality product. 
and uh, we can we can we can we can get that out there and let people see that it's a quality product, then they'll take it whether and they quote unquote need it. And or it's not. only turned out better for us because yes. we don't get people who are just here for the credits. Exactly. Now it's like you. Everybody that comes here, it's because they legitimately want to learn this. So I'm not staring at a room full of people who are like. What time's lunch? I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how I am with the school as well. You know, because it is a medically based program, you know, I have people call me all the time about information. And if it was just about me getting the students in here for the money, I would take everybody that calls me. But I don't want everybody. I want no. somebody that wants to learn, you know, either, you know, orthopedic massage helped them through an injury or they know of somebody that did it and they want to learn it. I want those people, you know, I don't want the people that just want to go for six months and do the bare minimum and work at a hotel. Not saying that working at a hotel is bad, but you know what I mean? Like I want, I want somebody that really wants that medical aspect and those other people that I come across, I actually refer to the other, the other schools. Absolutely. The other question I had for you, Melissa, is what we didn't actually mention. What is the name of your school? Did you keep the same name? Everything's the same. You just revamped everything. It is. Um, so the business that I bought was the Medical Massage Center and Academy. So um, what it is now is my business that I had for the continuing ed was the Mayo Pro Institute. Mm hmm. And I incorporated Medical Massage Center and Academy. Very so cool. the big name is the Mayo Pro Institute. Yeah. Very, very cool. And I want to go back to the entrepreneur thing because I was sort of quietly chuckling to myself as you were saying, you're sitting there, you read this employee <laughs> handbook. And even though you thought, because... I, I, yes, live, I, I live with an, I live with an entrepreneur and Mark, as you know, as you said, I can't work for anyone because I'm too much of an asshole. Mark knows that he's unemployable because nobody wants to put up with his shit and he doesn't want to put up with anybody <laughs> else's shit. Like that's just no, the truth. I don't want to put up. I'm, I'm a nice, pleasant person. There's no shit to put up from. from Are you me. kidding me? When you and I met, we worked for the same company that had a dress code and every it day you'd stupid. show up in no, jeans. Made no this fucking is my sense point. to me. They, this was the company's rules you cannot wear jeans to work every day mark would show up in jeans and they would say to him stop wearing jeans he'd be like i'm never going to stop wearing jeans so you decide what to do with me like you're <laughs> you're unemployable it was a stupid rule but every so often like you melissa he would he'll have this dream and he'll be like you know what fuck why do i work so hard why do i do so much because it is a lot like us running this business look at us we're here at 9 20 p.m on a holiday Monday, right? Like this is this is just what we do. But every yeah. so often he'll turn to me and say, why do I do this? He's like, you know what? I'm just gonna pack up and you know go work somewhere. Like you said, go in, do my job, get a paycheck. And I was like, yeah, that'll last maybe one shift. You'll lose your fucking mind because you can't have somebody telling you how to run your day. Like you, for example, you're a creative guy. You can't even, even if I say to you, hey, let's on Monday evening, let's do this thing for, you know, let's schedule this in. You're like, I'll do I it when want, I feel like uh, it. I don't want to be scheduled in for anything. <laughs> so uh, both of you, this maybe is- Maybe it's just childish of me is what that it's is. It's not childish. If you are the type of person that you know that you can get a job done, you can do it well, and you don't need somebody looking over your shoulder and telling you how to do it then that's what you do. You go out and you do it yourself. Like, Melissa, you own a fucking school. Like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I wake I wake up every morning. I mean, my drive to work is amazing, right? And I am just, I am in awe that this is my life. You know, I've had this dream for years. And for me to come into um, the new space that I just leased is, it's not huge, but it's 2,100 square feet. So it has my private office in it and it has my school. It has space for my clinic. It has space for my teaching room. Um, you know, I'm just in awe that this is, that I've been allowed to do this, you know. And in Hawaii. So when you're not teaching, do you surf? I do. Uh, well, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have, tried. Have you tried, tried unsuccessfully? <laughs> I tried once and injured my uh, AC joint. So I have not tried it again. I float really well, though. <laughs> so I'm very buoyant. I know that you tan very well, because like I said, that's how I know you from your Instagram photos, tanning on the beach. I'm like, look at this woman. Like, God, I want her life a little bit. 
But I feel like we have to add in here not to be a Debbie Downer is that you own a school and this is your life and this was your dream. But on top of it being amazing, stressful as fuck, right? Very stressful. Um, you know, especially, you know, once the move, um, I felt very disjointed when I had two businesses in two different areas, you know? Um, so now that everything's in one area, it's, it's very cohesive now. Um, I'm definitely less stressed by doing this, but you know, owning a business or two for that matter is stressful. It's 24 seven, you know, like I have, when I do have time off, I spend it the way I want to, which is at the beach, usually by myself, sometimes with a friend or two. But, you know, I'm working, I'm at the office at 7 a.m. in the morning, and I don't leave here until 7.30, sometimes 8 o'clock at night. And so when friends say, hey, I want to come over and visit you, I'm like, well, I'm either teaching, I'm supervising, or I'm working in my office. So I work in my office seeing patients three days a week. I teach four days a week. And then I have Sundays off if I'm not teaching a continuing ed class that weekend. You know, I live, I live by my schedule and, you know, I don't have some rich sugar daddy paying my bills. So girls got to work, you know? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. It's like looking into the mirror, but we're in a different part of the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. You, you, I think you just summed up our life pretty much. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, when you do love it, when it was the dream, because for for us, when we first started talking about teaching continuing ed, because we we met working at a private career college. That's actually how we started. And, um, you know, eventually we both got tired of the formal education and the rules and the way things were going there. Exactly. We kind of had the same moments that you had, really. Yep. Where we're All like, of them. We're, we're, we can't fully stand by what's happening here and I don't want necessarily my name attached to what's happening here and I want to deliver something quality and this is not exactly, I'm, 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 I'm more capable of delivering something different and better than what's happening here. So why don't, why don't we just go make that happen for well, ourselves? Well, see, the funny thing is, is Mark could have just went and got a job at another school, another college. But he always had this dream of like, I want to, it, it, it was at first started as a joke between him and another colleague of ours. They would say, we're going to open a school and make millions. But, and actually I think you still call him millions. Yeah, That's his he, nickname, he's, right? He's millions in my phone. <laughs> but <laughs> then, you know, the more him and I talked about it, he would say, I just want to teach continuing education. And I was like, well, like, let's look into that. What do you have to do? And then we realized like, you could just do it. Like, just, let's just do it. And yeah, so we're, we're right on, on par with you where like it was what we wanted. So even though there's days where we're both like, I'm so bloody tired, we've been working for like six days straight with not no break whatsoever. At the end of it, we're like, but would we want to go back to working for somebody? And the answer is always no. So we'll take, you know, we'll take the working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because when we do get time off, like we said, we just got back in from up north where we had like four or five days off and we did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Isn't it great? Like I had, um, my birthday was Friday. So I took Friday, Saturday and Sunday off and I did absolutely nothing. I think I sat on my couch in my sarong one day, one whole entire day watching television. That's amazing. The only thing I did was eat and shit. That's all I did. <laughs> amazing. And I loved it. That's amazing. Our oldest daughter's birthday was Friday. So you guys share a birthday. And so, yeah, we had that day off because it was her birthday. And then we had a, like, you know, a little thing with some of her friends. And then it was just hanging out up north, like feet up. I think I was drinking... Yes, I was. Two o'clock this afternoon, I was having a glass of wine on our patio up north with my feet up. And I said to him, this is Monday, eh? Yeah, this is Monday. <laughs> Not a bad day. Listen, I'd be drinking right now, too, if I didn't have to supervise clinic. That's fair. You should probably be sober <laughs> for that. <laughs> I, sh I should. I should. <laughs> so what's the long-term plan here for you, Melissa? I mean, I assume grow the school since it's all new. Yeah. But do you have anything yeah. else that you're that you're thinking about? Yeah, actually, um, basically the first thing I need to do is get the national accreditation for it, right? So people can actually come to Hawaii for a five-day intensive and get credits for it, get continuing ed credits for it. Um, and then what I'd like to do is videotape every class, archive it, and have it be online. So people can pay 
a certain amount of money to come here and take it in person, or they can pay a discounted rate and do an online study with like a Zoom meeting um, once a week with a question and answer or technique, you know, show technique. And I think that's where, um, where my retirement plan is coming in, right? If I archive everything, then I can just sit back and work once a week. That's yeah, a good deal. I like it. Have that as my income coming in. Yeah. That's so awesome. And as far as living, I was serious. Do you think that you will stay in Hawaii forever and ever and ever? Yes. This is, this is my place. Um, every time my mom comes out, I talk her into, I try talking her into moving out here. And I grew up in uh, near Paints Hollow, New York, um, Cooperstown area, Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, I grew up on a horse farm. So my mom still lives on the farm. And, uh, you know, it's getting a lot for her. So I'd love to move her out here, but she's not quite ready yet. Mm -hmm. But um, I think in the next couple of years, that might happen. That'll be nice to have some family there since you went there all on your own. Although, will the two of you then still, will you guys still go back to New York for a white Christmas? Or will that be over if mom comes to Hawaii? I don't know. You know, I keep talking about having her become a snowbird and come out here for the winter so it's not as hard on her. Right. Um, with shoveling and, you know, all of that. And uh, that might be my first step to do that. But um, yeah, we would definitely have to probably go back for Christmas for white Christmas and be with the family and everything. Yeah. Are you where you think you need to be? Me? Yeah, you. Oh, I wasn't expecting a question to come at me. <laughs> well, Melissa's like, you know what? I'm, I'm in, I'm in the place I was meant to be. Right. Um. And, and now I'm wondering, are you in the place you meant to be? Or you don't know yet? Or you, or you, are you, yeah, I am. I don't know. Okay. It's, hmm. you can answer this any way you want. Eh? I was, <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm thinking, I, no, I'm going to, no, I'm going to say no. I feel like there's still more things. I, I mean, am I in the place I want to be? I don't, I don't know. Like physical place. Like, yeah, let's, let's li start there. <laughs> physically living in Toronto. Is this where I want to be forever? You know that I'm so back and forth on that. Every time I try to leave, the city ropes me back in. Right. But so maybe so you are physical place. I don't know. Um, professionally, like career wise, no. I know there's still more things I want to do, and I was always kind of like using the kids as an excuse. You know, once they're both in school, once they're both in school, then you know I can focus more on work because I've spent the last seven years focusing on kids. Well, my youngest is going to start school in September. So I'm going to have to kick myself in the butt and maybe do some more things. Hmm. See, that was, that was one of the good things about, um, when I moved, I didn't, I wasn't seeing anybody. I don't have any children. Um, you know, I'm an only child. So that made it hard on my mom when I moved, but it's like, I didn't have other than family ties i didn't have anything that was holding me there right was anyone telling you like don't go what are you doing Just oh stay. everybody did especially my mom but um a lot of my friends did they're like what are you doing you're leaving a thriving practice you know and i'm like i said but i don't want to look back and say hey what could have been yeah i had a chance to move out to hawaii to see if i can make it work you know and it was starting all over because i came here thinking that i was the shit i was from new york i knew everything <laughs> the schedule is going to be full um and that's not how it works here you know it's it's definitely people can be uh, a little cold because the turnover here on the island is so high right so a lot of people really don't become friends with you unless you've been here for a year so it can be hard because i moved here not knowing anybody other than my patient my past patient mm -hmm. that turned a friend and two weeks after moving here, she moved back to the mainland. Oh, my goodness. And I was always under the impression that Hawaii is really kind of hard on someone who's not local. I was actually going to ask that right at the beginning. Do you get shit for being like the white lady from the mainland? Oh, you know, I never I think it all has to do with your attitude, honestly. And this island, uh, if you're not meant to be here, it makes things very difficult for you. So, um, you know, I came here in almost everything fell into place. I was definitely tested. Um, I moved here with $6,000 in my pocket. Um, and if you know anything about Hawaii, it's very expensive here. Yeah. So we, we pay $9 for a gallon of milk. Housing is expensive. So I moved here July, or I'm sorry, January 12th. 
And by the mid-February, when I first opened my office, I used the last of my money. That is terrifying. My money was gone. So I ended up, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was calling my mom and asking for money, asking her if she could pay my bills for me. I've never done that. I've always been the one that's had money. I've always bought whatever I wanted. And it was definitely, it was definitely the island testing me, you know, like it was, she supported me for about two months. And within that time, um, a patient that I saw uh, mentioned uh, the BNI group, which is a business networking group. She said, I really think you should do that. And I said, I don't have the money and I can't ask my mom to pay more than she already is now. And so she's like, well, she goes, I'll pay for your membership. And she goes, just give me massages. We'll just barter. So she bought my first year membership and I joined, I think, June of 2016. And by August, I had made $10,000 just from that BNI group, just from those, those people coming to me as patients oh, and wow. their referrals. So that's what really got me, got me going was that BNI group. And because it, it gave you such a, a close networking group that I had 40 other business owners that anytime somebody said massage, they whipped out my card and gave it to them. So that was, that was a big thing of, um, you know, me, me being where I am today is that. Take me back to the conversation with your mom. I want to know how that goes. I want to know how much you have to kind of rev yourself up to do it. I want to know what the conflict is in your head that comes along with it. Cause uh, I can yeah. imagine being in that scenario. I don't want to ask my folks for fucking anything, especially when they're the ones that are saying like, don't do that. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Because I can I can already hear it. They'd be the first one to say, just pack up your shit and come home. You fucking failed at it. Just come home, right? I'm not I'm not helping you out here. You, you made a dumb move to begin with. I basically with. called her and I said, listen, I, I have a favor to ask. And she's like, what? And I said, I, I need to borrow some money. And I said, I've used the last money that I have to open up my office as far as a deposit. And I'm not seeing enough patients because what I, I had in my head is that I needed to see eight to 10 patients a week in order to pay my bills, my house rent, my office rent, my car payment, all of that. And I was only seeing between three to five. So I was making some money, but not enough to live not enough to buy groceries, put gas in my car. So uh, I asked her and I said, can I borrow some money? And she's like, well, why? And I told her and she goes, you know, Melissa, maybe this is the universe's way of telling you you don't belong there. Did you ever think that? No. Basically what I thought is it was a test. How bad do you really want it? Right? How bad do you really want to stay here? How hard are you willing to work? So I made her a deal. I said, listen, give me six months. And this was middle, end of February, I asked her. So um, I think she deposited the first amount into my bank account in March, beginning of March. So I told her, I said, give me six months. Um, and I said, if it if I haven't made things turn around in six months, then I'll think about coming home. And she's like, okay, because I never asked my mother for anything, never asked her for money. And I'll tell you, I am, um, I'm very stubborn and controlling. <laughs> and uh, that was probably the hardest blow to my ego that I've ever had to do. Do you think your mother knows how hard that was for you? She does. Oh yeah, she does. She does. Cause I talk, I talk about it still, you know, like if she hadn't have done that, I wouldn't still be here. And, you know, like she even said, she goes, I can't, she goes, even if you came home, she goes, you wouldn't be happy. She goes, I wouldn't be happy for you. She goes, I'd be happy that you're home, but you'd be miserable. And I said, yeah, I would be. So, um, so she gave me the money in March. And by, like I said, the end of August, I had made $10,000 just that within those two, those two, two and a half months. Mm -hmm. And that's when my business just took off. Nice. So, 
I don't know if she's kicking herself in the ass for giving me the money in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) No, she probably now realizes the universe was not telling you you don't belong there. The universe was saying, let's see what you got, lady. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, she came out um, just this past June. Uh, So she was out here for about two weeks in June. And she actually helped me uh, put some of the rooms together in the new space. And she was very impressed. You know, and the fact that she came out and said, you know, I'm really proud of you. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm getting all misty eyed. But yeah, that meant a that meant a huge, huge that I could sit there and say, look, this is mine. This is my space. I'm not renting it from anybody else. It's all about me. Let's let's do this. Anyone that's listening to this right now, they're like, I got a dream. I got a dream. I feel like I, I feel like I'm watching Tangled. <laughs> you know that one scene. <laughs> I, I got a dream. Um. If anyone else that's listening, they're like, I got a dream to do something and I don't know how I should go about doing it or if I should go about doing it. If you had that 30 seconds with that person, what would that sound like? Uh, What does your heart tell you? You know, not your mind because you overthink all kinds of shit. You know, if I had over, if I had listened to everybody else that doesn't have stake in my life, I would never be here. Mm -hmm. Right. I had to, I followed my heart and I mean, my, in my mind, what was the worst that could happen? Things didn't work out. I moved home. I moved back to New York, you know, and I always tell people, if you have something that you want to do, do it. What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work out. They tell you no, at least she asked, you know, Mm -hmm. like me, I'm a very squeaky wheel. And you know what they say, squeaky wheels get the grease. If people don't know what you want, they can't give it to you. So speak up. Yep. And like you said, the worst like thing it. would have been if you, you know, woke up one day and you're in your 70s or 80s and you're like, fuck, like you might have had a fantastic life, but there would have always been that part of you that's like, oh, what could I have done if I just went for it? What could have happened? Yeah, I imagine regret is worse than failure. Yeah, because failure, I mean, it's super cheesy, but it's true. When you fail at something, it's teaching you something and it's giving you a kick in the ass. Yes, it's giving you a kick in the ass to do something because you're not just going to fail and sit in your shit. You have to pick yourself back up and do something, right? You never never lose. You either win or you learn. I like that. Yes, exactly. And uh, I will say too, Oh, fuck. I just totally forgot what I was going to say now. It was something about, oh my goodness. I literally just had a thought in my head and it flew away. Well, then I'll go to the next most important question in the world. Ready? SPF. SPF. What do you use? Oh my God. (laughs) I use uh, 50 zinc oxide on my face and 30 on the rest of my body. There you go. Very similar to me. I I love the the zinc oxide ones because Mark puts, I mean, you can see for him. No SPF 4 tanning oil for you? (laughs) He doesn't use use much of anything because he's he's been blessed with uh, skin that doesn't burn as soon as he thinks about the sun. I am not that blessed. (laughs) But I will get him to like put the zinc oxide sunscreen on my back. And he's like, why is this? I'm like, yeah, sorry. (laughs) It's not like the, the super chemically sunscreen that just rubs in nicely. He's like, why is this so thick and pasty? (laughs) (laughs) I remembered what I was going to say now, actually. had nothing to do with it. When you said the sunscreen, that actually brought brought it back to me. Because sometimes Mark and I talk about the fact that we do things that, most of our family and friends look at us and like, you guys are fucking crazy. Like we will have this idea and we go for it and everybody around us will be saying, are you sure you want to do that? You know, even as Mark said in 2018, when the CMTO did change the continuing ed rules, I had a very good friend sit down with me and say, and she's, she's an entrepreneur. She owns her own business. And she, we sat down together and she said, I'm going to help you. Let's brainstorm. You've got this space. You and Mark both have this education, you have this, this. Let's think about what else you guys can do. And everything she said, I was like, no, I, but this is, not, I don't want to. I don't want to change our game plan. I, I know this is what I want us to do. We just have to think of a better way to do it. I'm not. And she said, I'm sorry, but I think you're going to have to. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. 
I'm no, I'm not going to have to. And you're right. Had I sat there and really overthought it, you know, because she was saying, well, what about this? And what about this? And I don't think people are going to sign up for things. Anyway, the point is every decision we've made, we get a whole bunch of people looking at us like, have you guys lost your minds? And sometimes we even say, are we crazy? But we just go for what seems to feel right and make sense and what we want to go in the direction of where we want to be. And if something doesn't work, okay, well, fuck, that didn't work. Let's try something else. There's something for everybody, really. At the end of the day, like even if you sit around and watch late night infomercials, there's someone's buying that shit. <laughs> there's someone that thought of it and they made it and they found an investor and or they found a manufacturer and they put it together and now they're selling it to somebody that's up buying it. So at the end of the day, right. as long as I think you stay committed to a decent idea and you have a little bit of work ethic, you know, built in, they will come kind of thing. But I'm also, you know, completely oblivious and I always think that everything's everything is possible. But I guess, you know, the three of us together here, we're kind of showing that it is. So that's always pretty good. Yes. Awesome. No, this has been fun. Thank yeah, you. this is really fun. And I'm so happy now that I can actually like put a real person to this like smiling face on the beach that I see on my Instagram feed all the time. <laughs> well, listen, if you guys ever get to Hawaii, let me know. I have a guest room and a guest bath. You're more than welcome. Right on. This has been good. Yes. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thanks for taking the time today, guys. I appreciate it. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.